welcome to the Delft Souls podcast. It's me, Matt Lees, joined by Quentin Smith. Hello, Matt Lees. And the, the beautiful Joe Scrabbles. Hello, Matt Lees and Quentin Smith. How are you doing? I'm all right. Excellent. This you... week we're going to have a much better podcast. I can only apologise for last week. I last week was fine. It People was liked fine, it. but at the beginning I was awful. You need to stop apologising, man. You're great. No. You're I, flying I high. got into it in the end, but at the beginning I listened back. Sorry, Jim, I'm just touching your legs already. Right. That's a great start. You're this off. is even better. I like it more than last week. Because <laughs> you're here and there's physical touch. Physical touch. No, it was fine. I just I listened back to the first five minutes and I was like a bad Paxman. Just going, why is it good? I don't think it's good. I don't like Street Fighter. That is a bad Paxman. He, yeah. He, he, he does like that. Street Fighter. <laughs> he loves it he'd be like tell me about E-Honda now <laughs> I talked a little bit about this in the uh, not to dive into the game's paddling pool and get it all wet and sloppy so paddling pools are already wet yeah it is unless like it's a dry one and you're wet and that's weird so yeah. I've I've been playing some Street Fighter 5 and I don't have much to say about it yet aside from the fact that I think I'm going to learn how to play Chun-Li uh, she's got really good thighs and the animation's all amazing. But the thing I find about it is really interesting, because you remember last week I was saying that Capcom have done all this stuff to make Street Fighter Five feel like an eSport, like uh-huh. a place you're going to be spending loads of time. Poking the story mode, the thing I find most amazing about it is it has a tonality that is completely completely unique of any well, Street Fighter game Well, they haven't done the single-player right yet, have they? They've just released the... No, they, ha- they have released the single-player. People are complaining because the single-player is so thin. It's like a sheet of, you know, like right. uh, tissue paper or something. It's very much like just kill 12 people, you've done it. Yeah, what you don't have is the training mode where it walks you through and drills combos and stuff, which it desperately needs. Yes. But the thing it has, like... Uh, Joe, you need to be uh, Ken in this situation. That'll yes. be Ryu. Okay. Okay. The the opening cutscene is something along the lines of, "Hey Ken, that was a great fight. Yes, wasn't it good? Mm-hmm. I think we should both train real hard. Okay. I think we could be the best one day. Let me put on my gi. Yeah. I mean, it's like, but the thing that it does when all the fighters are just what like, happens next? <laughs> well, I'll tell you what happens. They have a fight. <laughs> Shit. Uh, and Ryu wins, but when Ken loses, he's like, huh. I'll beat you one day. And it's oh, the thing that it carries. I mean, there are still some bad guys and like M. Bison's weird crew is there and a weird wibbly man who looks like he came from Nightmare Before Christmas. You, I couldn't even describe him. He's called sure. Fang. You've got to see pictures. Um, but it generally creates this atmosphere that fighting is fun. If you lose, that's okay because you learn from it. And I swear to God, they are doing it to give the game a positive online community. Well, to try to, I suppose. To yeah. try, like, as, yeah. as a sort of bit of sleight of hand to yeah. try and be like, hey, those fighters you like playing as, they're all real nice to each other. So you should be nice uh, too. Yeah. We should all fight that as friends. Work. I mean, I like. I, they, I don't know if it'll work. They but tried I, to do that in Hearthstone, didn't they? By being like, "Hey, let's not let players talk to each other." But no, people just—they just click threaten yeah. over and over again. <laughs> Dick finds a way. Yeah, that is the worst. The um, nice play, nice play, nice yeah, play yeah, until yeah. Good, you well done. throw the well iPad played. out of the window. Well played. Yeah, no, I, that's just infuriating. I'd rather have somebody just call me a cock. You can't call anyone anything in Street Fighter. No, I mean that's that's the best. Don't let anyone talk to me. That's like my motto. That's my middle name. That's why Splatoon's the best shooter ever, mate. Can but you, no, but you, what, yeah, I need to play some Splatoon. What I was trying so to get good. to last week, because that's the main problem, is I was I was like kind of a I was trying to um like interrogate you about what the game was like in the state of yes. play, but it just came out as me going, why? What? 
I don't believe you. That's okay. We can it's play hardball. But this is great because you've already answered something about the fact that like they haven't implemented this sort of training stuff yet. That's, yes. That's what I was asking about. I was trying to get down to this idea of you were talking about how it was a cool ecosystem for learning and getting into it. And I wanted to know whether or not it was there. And it sounds like it isn't. Well, you've got a friend who's really good at Street Fighter who's going to train you. Like you know you what, Matt? Uh, this will all be answered and more in a podcast that's going live in just a few days. I don't know what it's called yet, but it'll be Hot somewhere. potatoes. It's not. Called that? No, I was just ever. Oh, you—that was, just... was an exclamation, no. right? But Wicked. you should call it hot potatoes. No, with Quentin Smith. No. So it's just going to be me and a friend of mine who is like excru- excruciatingly good at Street Fighter, walking through like a sort of maybe ten episode Rocky style training montage where I try and be. I've changed my mind. I'm not because yeah, you talked me down. That. You talked me from ten percent down to twenty five percent of the top players in the world. I'm going to go back up to top ten percent of the players. Top in the ten. World. I've just. I'm sure not... you're on fifteen to begin with. No, top 10%, as in, so, if you, you get it, right? No, no, I get it, yeah. I yeah. understand that. I was on 15 to begin with, then I went to 25, because you said that sounded hard, but now I've, I've doubled 10. down on 10%. Because, you know, shoot for the sky, and even if I miss, I'm still a hero. Absolutely. <laughs> so, no, yeah. I think yeah. it's going to be good. I mean, it's the sort of thing where I, because, although I'm not interested personally in trying to get into uh, into Street Fighter, as are lots of people, I'm very much interested in trying to live through that experience vicariously exactly. via the medium of a podcast. I think there are people out there like me who don't want to sit in a room drilling combos for ages and getting beaten up by people online but I would be really interested in learning how the mechanics work together and and, uh, how you get good and what you think about and uh, I'm going to do it so all of your questions about Street Fighter will be answered in just a few days fantastic yeah we'll go to coolghost.net and uh, we'll have that on the site somewhere probably really visible-ish hopefully Um, meanwhile it'll be on the main page and yeah Joe though yeah you said you've played or reviewed how many games in the last two weeks I've played and finished barring one game I've played and finished six okay here's games. what I would suggest yes this is your moment okay this is your podcast <laughs> Matt and I we're just observers this is your podcast Scrap special moment with you it's, it's the script special yeah okay I like how that Scrab- came to you so quickly that oh, you almost man. certainly have been fantasising about this moment for years well yeah but I should have said Scrashel oh. it would have sounded more like an alien can we not call it Scrab the Decks we could call Where it Scrab the Decks rub down to the deepest of games and get them clean what doesn't work no jettison joke jettison let's call it hot potato yes (laughs) (laughs) oh dear me Uh, right am I getting into this I've got six games on this list that I wrote because I was going to forget one of the games and I think one of them you don't want to talk about okay so I'll I'll name five what's the game we're not talking about Firewatch because you are personally connected to this game because they're our good buddies yes so I've played Flame in the Flood, which is a sort of stressless ah, survival game. See, I want to know if that's good, because I've, I'm, I'm hopefully going to try and get a review copy so I can play it, because it's a roguelite, Well, let, I do them. Let me tell you, it's mixed. Yeah, yeah I've heard it's mixed. I dived into it uh, for early access because I was going to put it in Steam Surfers um, a while back, my roundup of new Steam games, and I played it and went... No. Yeah, I th- so um, the aesthetic appeals to me hugely because I really like... Americana and music associated with Yeah, should we describe what the heck Flame in the Flood is? Yeah, so imagine um, a survival game set at the end of Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Nice! That's the whole game. It's you are on a giant flooded... Well, it seems like the world, but the way the river you're in is... It seems like you're in a flooded valley, um, which you're travelling down constantly, making stops off in procedurally generated little... Hub areas at which that point are it, still above 
water. Yeah, I would describe those hub areas as like don't starve, but with a yeah. slightly annoying 3D engine without the clarity it needs. Yes, uh, and also the don't the don't starve comparison implies that there's a sort of static element which there isn't. You're never building anything. You are yeah. you're looting and leaving. That's your whole the whole thing is about sort of thrusting you down this river and Actually, the most effective way to play the game is to get stocks of everything you need and then just stay on your raft for as long as possible and then get off, get shelter, get and like eat and drink and then set off again. So it, it has this quite fast paced feeling for a, a mm. roguelike survival game. Yeah, it's funny when you're blasting down the river as well. I remember sometimes you'd see locations like a church or something yeah. and you'd go, oh, well, I, I want to go there. But actually, because of the momentum of the river and where you place yourself, yeah. you just get shot past the church. Exactly. You get this sort of tiny action element, which is you'll sort of you'll see like a fork in the river coming up and you'll go, well, I can see that like down one end there might be a church down there which is good for shelter but not much else. And down the other one there's wilderness which can have really great stuff but the also danger. is wolf infested. So wolves, many annoying wolves, Wolves man. are fucking annoying. Um, they will give you staph infections and lacerate you and <laughs> except never eat your dog who's with you the whole time, which is weird. Um, so <laughs> it's That got, would be, uh, yeah, if you give someone a pet dog in a game I don't think you can have it. There's plenty of dogs getting killed in games I now. Suppose, I suppose, yeah, immediately. Except in, yeah, actually, now that I think about it, most of the dogs don't die mm. in Mad Max or Fallout 4. Come or back when you're dogs. Oh, I was going to. Oh, wolves. Oh, yeah, okay, That's right. Awesome. Um, well, yeah, that would be cool. So the things that, I mean, I found interesting about it um, generally tended not to resolve themselves when I played it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to know uh, if this isn't the case. So, like, the top three things we've got, like, this aesthetic that's very, like, uh, stylized, um, angular people and places, yep. uh, which was, which I kind of got tired of relatively quickly because it didn't do much with it. No, I think it, I think it, so I think the general feeling of the, or the, the thrust of the game is to build a survival game in which you don't feel constantly stressed. Yeah. Which I, is my problem with survival in general is I, I don't, don't starve is, I, I love don't starve and I find it actually quite therapeutic, but sort of, it's that thing where if you're so, if you're so left-wing, you go around to being right-wing. Yeah. It's like, it's so stressful that it becomes therapeutic <laughs> trying to deal with Like it. Super Hexagon almost, where exactly, you yeah. just, you're in such a hellscape that, or, or uh, Devil Daggers, right? Yeah. Where it's so awful, but you just get into a meditative loop because you I can't, can't think about imagine anything. getting there with Devil Daggers, frankly. <laughs> no. I've only Devil Daggers. I've only been playing it whilst quite unwell, to the point that actually it's like, it's fine, but then as soon as I get past like 50 seconds, it becomes so stressful that afterwards I feel physically a bit sick. I've heard some um, EVE Online players saying that after some fleet fights, they actually have to walk away from the computer and lie down. Yeah, I mean, I think it's the, the, the amazing thing about Devil Daggers. I just, uh, well, in, in podcast recording time, I just put a video online on the on the website. You should check it out. It's a bit of weird. It's pretty weird. It's an amazing um, video. I had a lot of fun making it. Uh, it was a strange video. I sort of wanted to get the spirit of the game across, which is just uh, hell. Um <laughs> So, yeah, there's that. Um, but, yeah, it, it's just... It's an incredible thing, and so much of it is audio. I think the audio design in that game is just phenomenal. Playing with headphones, it's just, like, hellish, guttural, glitchy, roars in your ears and chittering and... Ugh. And I think that... So that, that wonderful lo-fi glitchy aesthetic as well, where all the enemies are about seven voxels floating towards <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Like, there's... And it packs a lot of details into that, though. Even though it's, like, very low detail, you can always see enough of what you need to to know what you have to do and what's going on. Uh, but then it's still very obtuse. It's actually very like Dark Souls oh. in a way that it's massively obtuse systems that you have to just either work out from watching other people or just experimenting on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, incredibly 
um, unforgiving but simple systems and the fact that it just absolutely ruthlessly uses audio to make the game harder and the fact that like the sorts of people who I see who are doing tremendously well at Devil Daggers are clearly the sorts of people who are able to just just switch off the part of their brain that just becomes freaked out by audio like that and is able to just pick it apart as being the sensory information they need to determine where enemies are. Right. Whereas I cannot do that. As soon as it's like I'm surrounded by roaring and chittering stuff, I'm just going <laughs> while spinning around madly trying to shoot shit. It's a great little game and it's only like four quid as well, which is the sort of game where really after you've played it for a couple of hours, you'll probably be done with it. But um, yeah, great. Like, like Luftrausers. Absolutely perfect in terms of being perfect. like, buy this, play it for an evening or two probably done with it then but like man what a time yeah uh but so yeah back to (laughs) back to the relatively stressless flame and flood so yeah with regard to the aesthetic i i don't think it's trying to go anywhere with it apart from just to kind of give you this very hazy like quite accented look at a place and that goes along with the music which is very slight yeah. guitar and yeah. occasionally a man going and like that's kind of it um so yeah that's that's how i felt about that yeah okay Number two. Uh, well so yes it, it's got the aesthetic which yeah like you say it's not very ambitious with it yeah but then you have your dog companion which yes. is actually a pretty unique stripe for a for a survival game but that doesn't seem to go anywhere with that dog doesn't do anything and the then, dog is a pack but then you have this mobile home of the raft which yeah. is of course going down the river with you but i didn't feel there was much flex in being able to design or upgrade or change there are rough raft upgrades yeah. and they're quite hard to get so it becomes a thing and and the places where you up the the one place where you can upgrade your raft is a fairly rare instance so when you find one you just really hope that you've stocked up enough stuff and at the last place you weren't forced to like chuck out all your raft schematics whatever they are that you carry around yeah. um, in favour of like some rags because I mean, you only had, had to make a splint see yeah we've just got so many survival games now that I'm looking yeah. at Flame in the Flood and going why am I playing this over uh, yeah. you know any other editions of Don't Stuff or you know The Long Dark which is sure. so evocative and- sure no I mean it's, it's I've heard mixed things and um, especially from early access read-ups and stuff the idea that maybe it just needed something there for the full release to kind of tie it together, it sounds like it's not there. I think the I think the story mode, which was added for the full release, mm. adds a little. It's not it, there's not much to it. It's just kind of get halfway down the river and find this one thing, and then get the whole way down the river and find this other thing. But it gives you a it gives you enough of a push, and there's some and to tug pe- you along. Yeah, and there's people you meet along the way, and little environment environmental elements that hint at what might have happened that's cool that's quite nice um and with regard to you know there's a million survival games there are i think this is aiming at people who don't currently play them and aren't yeah, interested in them okay. i think it's i yeah, think see, it's I demographic like, i like kind of roguelikey things yeah but i'm not a big survival well then game. maybe this is you yeah uh, this well, might, I'm gonna this might go. fit. um, um but, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's i think it's very pleasant but it's just not like you say it's not Deep. It I'd doesn't go that, far with it. I'd say something weird about the aesthetic, though, and it might just be me, but um, I feel like in the same way it kind of happened with um, with pixel art and its resurgence, I feel like there's just been a barrier that's in literally in the past month has just clicked in my head of being like, I. it's gone from being like these kind of games that are almost done in a kind of loose, angular, Instagram-esque, coloured style 
has now I've just gone from being like oh that's nice to being like I'm bored of that now because I just I just feel like and it's always the way with these sort of zeitgeist things lots of devs have set out to do this sort of style at once because it was when they started it was a fresh idea do you mean sort of like Nights and Bikes as well yes I know and I, what's and interesting in the is woods. yeah I mean Night in the Woods I think has its own thing going on that's actually got quite a strong um, aesthetic. Kind of aesthetic so it isn't just vague with it so I think in my mind that's still like I'm still interested but it was interesting playing Oxenfree I quite liked it but I kind of felt this sort of like I'm kind of bored of this presentation style I've been playing too many games like that and Knights and Bikes which is now on Kickstarter weirdly I just that was almost like I just be gone too far with it and when I looked at that I just thought I've kind of got like loads of games that look a bit like this available now and I'm not interested in okay, another one so let's let me uh, turn this train around on the tracks which you can't do with a wheel train but you can with this because it's a metaphor Let's talk about a style that I don't think is outside its welcome yet, which is this PSX super logo yeah. 3D. Yeah. Because that's in Devil Daggers and used to great extent. And I've been playing a completely awesome uh, horror game recently, which I'll tell you about and try and, and then we'll get back on the Scrabbles. That's, that's fine. The Scrabbles Canyon. I, I'm going <laughs> to load up. But I think it's, it's weird because it's not fair. It's this weird thing of being like, yeah, sorry, that aesthetic's been used up now, so it doesn't matter if your game is good or not. I kind of am not interested in it. Whereas, like, there's something, as you say, this PSX vibe with Devil Daggers is just exciting. But it's that just... weird thing of, you know, well, it's success breeds success, so you get, you know, it was the, the old joke of like Seattle. And an orange movie, movie posters, yeah, yeah. and yes, yeah, the same thing. It's just like no one's fault, and some of those movies were great, but just for some reason, everyone's <laughs> brains went like that, and then after a while, everyone went fuck that. But I just no, wonder, I just wonder if, if it's a it's a, a wider thing or if it's just me for now. So do let us know. It's sort of thing on the comments and yeah. on the website on Cool Ghost. If you're somebody who equally has just suddenly gone. I've just it's like it's just hit a peak for now and I'm just like looking at these games and going, I'm not interested. Or let us know if you enjoy the sort of like saccharine uh spectrum of nice colours and big big heads. I think maybe I've just been maybe spending too much time playing that kind of game instead of a but it's very interesting how we just I've just gone from like saccharine fun stuff to just hell now. <laughs> <laughs> I want more hell. Okay, so if you want more hell, you have to play this. It's anatomy. Oh, um, looks scary, Quinn. Why don't you guys describe what the screenshot is? I, I want to go to hell, but I don't want to be like. frightened. One of them's like a table from the TV show Reboot but in the dark yeah. in fact it all looks a bit like Reboot against well, the I, Canadian TV you're series you're making it sound like is it Canadian? I think so I think it's Canadian wow well, like maybe I just reboot, like to think it is to put the lights in the yeah room. there's no it looks like a golden eyed quality house it's super uh, this is from a designer called uh, Kitty Horror Show she uh, came to my attention I think it's she um, it came to my attention when she was writing about being written about on Kill Screen and Offworld last year. Um, she makes really lo-fi horror games that um, you can get on Itch.io, pay whatever you want, and they are all so good. So, <laughs> Joe, I started playing Anatomy um, today, mm-hmm. and I went, oh, horror game, great. Close the curtains, headphones on. And all it is... All it is. It has this super creepy VHS... Like, Yeah, I was going to say, it's kind of like... It's, it's poorly lit VHS... Um, it looks, but it comes across as looking like a really like low budget horror film. In a yeah, way. it's mm. as if the the aesthetic is as if you're looking at the game through a camcorder, and there's v, uh, VHS flickers, as if you're holding the camcorder in front of your face. Yeah, and the camcorder cannot deal with light very well. It's one of the most weirdly lit games I've ever played because you're kind of like projecting light in a sort of orb. So if you're in the kitchen, you can maybe see the kitchen counter next to you, but you can never see the other end of the room which means you're almost blind and yeah. you're walking through a house and the house has almost nothing in it and the whole game, all it is, Joe, all it is, Joe, Joe, all it is. You go into the kitchen and there's a tape player and an old cassette tape from when we were kids. 
And uh, you pop it in, and it's a sort of philosophical recording of a man talking about the house. And what is the house? Well, it can be said that the house is uh, almost like the humans that inhabit it. Of all the things humans build, the house is the most interesting. And if the house is like a living thing, then, well, the living room is like the heart, where we all travel. And then a thing comes saying, a tape has appeared in the living room. And then the VHS thing clicks off and you have to go to the living room and find a tape. Then you take it back and then it starts walking you all the way around the house, which is completely normal until it's not, uh, telling you how the house is basically alive. And and then it just goes more and more and more wrong. Halfway through it, I took my headphones off uh, and had to open the curtain and uh, use my speakers because I was so scared. And then it did something really interesting, which I've never found from a horror game before. And this isn't really a spoiler because it tells you to play it again and think. You finish it. It ends abruptly in a horrible way. And then the readme that comes with the game says, play it again. And you start playing it again, and it's the same, except this time when you play the tape, it's massively distorted. And the text that pops up saying there's a tape in the living room starts having typos in it and weird typographical errors. And I was so scared, I closed it and have not played it again since. (laughs) That sounds really unpleasant. It's absolutely awesome, man. But this is the thing. Horror games in general and as a genre rely so much on jump scares and things chasing you and shit action sequences. (laughs) Whereas Kitty Horror Show is able to craft unbelievable terror from... Uh, you know, I'm not going to say there aren't any monsters in it, but certainly, like, not much action sequences. Like, there is nothing but what is in your head. Yep. And I, purely based on what was in my own head, I had to stop playing. It's and- just creeping dread. I mean, that's where horror is strongest. Like, I, I agree. I still remember the best bit. I, it wasn't a particularly good horror game by any means, and I don't think anyone would argue with me on that. But the best bit of Dead Space 2, um, which was uh, unfortunately the area, the, the game which I entered the Dead Space series. <laughs> that's a uh, I like the first In Dead regards, uh, in, you know, in history, I think we deem that to be a mistake. <laughs> um, but it, whatever it was, it was. And it, I didn't find it scary at all, up until the point where you had to go back to the ship from the first game to get something and I'd never played the first game but it was like you need to go back to whatever it's called Ishimura or whatever like oh well remembered um, I think it was it might, that might Ishimura, be something else right. anyway um, you had to go back to get something off the ship and immediately it was like oh the environment design here is much better um, uh, but also it had this period where for like 20 minutes nothing attacked you like nothing happened it was just sound and after, for an action game where you're literally fighting stuff all the time for ages to then have like a good 20-25 minutes of no combat whatsoever yeah, yeah. just noises and it was unbearable. That at the point when actually when something jumped out and there was a fight, it was a relief. And that's <laughs> in a way like that's wrong. Like it shouldn't be that. I'm like, oh, thank God. Oh, no, yes. but in, if you watch like if you did you did you have you watched Babadook? I no, seen I haven't yet. Oh, okay, but well, you recommended it, so I, it's I, un, it's unreal. List. It's it's outrageously good and clever for all these reasons. But that is a movie where by the time you see a monster, like it, it is that oh, this is the worst thing ever. But also thank God because now. My head has a shape to give. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I it's found really the, the most film that messed me up the most over the years was um, well, obviously The Shining. Actually, surprisingly, like I, was, I went to it being like, yeah, it's supposed to be a really classic, scary film, and I watched it, and it was like, oh my fucking god, this is actually really frightening. But the film that messed me up the most was The Orphanage, which is a uh, oh, that's a good film. because again, like just it's just oh, just there aren't yeah, I won't say any more, but man, and that's just a different. There's kind a of couple breed, of there. The Orphanages, I think I might be right in saying, but people want to look for the Spanish, the Spanish one, one, yeah, yeah. yeah. There'll be a remake, I'm sure. That's also a film that revolves around one one key moment of like yeah. real in your face something horrible is on screen. Yes, and yeah. that's why it shits you up because yes. the rest of the film's quite quiet and it's it's a drama essentially. Yeah, um, but it's just that thing of just tightening you up 
ratcheting yeah. it up. Are we waiting. talking about the scene where she plays the game? Uh, uh, I wasn't talking about that. But there's lots. Yeah, no, we 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 we're getting into. But, I, yeah, I'm, I'm not going. But to you should totally it. watch yeah. it. I mean, I, I I first time I saw it, I saw it at the cinema, and I left the cinema like feeling like I'd been in a car crash. I was watch the orphanage. Watch uh, Babadook and watch uh, Shutter as well. Yeah, spend a weekend just fucking yourself up. <laughs> but it's interesting. This, this actually just uh, does remind me of um, Spanish film Wreck. Um, oh, Wreck, yeah, no. Obviously, that's... it was popular, there have been more, and they're kind of crap, and there have been remakes, and it's kind of crap. But again, it's that wonderful thing of uh, it, it gets around with horror, it gets around the found a... footage thing. Yeah, well, the Holy found... shit, by the way, I watched Blair Witch for the first time, and it was like when I watched Rocky, and it was like. You know, this isn't just sort of. Uh, this is actually. This good. isn't a cliche. It's yeah. like holy shit! All other films that have done found footage have never been as good as Blair Witch. <laughs> yeah. Like, have you seen Blair Witch? I have not. The ending is one of the worst things I've ever seen. It's, <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I genuinely don't want to watch it because I think it's going to frighten me too much. But yeah. Uh, but again, I think that's a clever thing of the clever thing about Wreck and found footage films in general. When they started doing them, was it was cheap. And if you're yeah. also if you're recording with a camera like a VHS camera, it means that things cannot you don't need the special effects to look that great. And it's it's cool to see that basically reflected in this of being like if you make things look a bit fuzzy and the lighting's bad, yeah. then it means you can it tricks the brain. You don't spend your time going, God, this looks rubbish. You just sort of you get into the vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's very powerful. I I, I want to uh, no, carry on. I know I want to push things back towards Joe, not because this conversation isn't awesome. You just want more Joe, but well, because I said this was the Scrubs cast. I'm gonna follow it's on the from potato this podcast incredibly special. neatly. It's oh. gonna be great. Have either of you played Layers of Fear? Yes. What did you think of Layers of Fear? Um. <laughs> I really love it. Oh, so, do you? Let's okay, let's no, talk no, about no, no I, I'm really excited to talk about then. So, Layers of... Well, I, I did the last spiel. Do you want to go for what this is? Layers of Fear is a sort of, well, what's increasingly becoming a post-PT game where you are in <laughs> um, a sort of haunted space, and, and the space is the worst thing about it, is in a horror sense. Um, the But Layers of Fear transposes PT's, like, insane, surreal like scratching dread into this like quite arch and gothic and yeah slightly silly situation where you're a painter in this sort of unspecified maybe the 50s but in a much older house time yeah and he's clearly losing his mind but also being haunted you think he's being haunted well okay it, I, that's that's kind of that's the story tussle throughout yes. the thing. and there's a wonderful beat where it, very early on, uh, and I think in any screenshots you'd see, that um, there are works of art around the house that are awful and it becomes clear, I mean, you're the artist in the house, which means you drew them, which means that when you see art that's super messed up, it's like, oh yes, of course I did that. I, I did guess. that. Well, there's, and it does really odd things. And the, the reason I like it so much is that a lot of its tricks, which are almost purely just you turn around and then when you turn back something's different yes yeah which is easy but yeah. but do, do, most of its tricks make me smile as opposed to get yeah, frightened i played it with lee and so we were like both spooked and when something awful would happen we'd both like shriek but then laugh cuz it's so absurd but that's why i love it i love okay. this i love this like it sounds like a ghost house yeah, it what, is like, in a kind of but then there's also way. that um what's that one thousand and one rooms of, of of horror the thing else it doesn't matter i'll remember it in a bit i don't know that one but so it does it just it, does. It's a horror game which is absolutely following the ghost house aesthetic. It just mm. like it's it's very silly, but equally it tries to make you laugh and shit yourself at the same yeah. time. Yeah. So it's like it does that thing where you're waiting for a thing to happen when it happens. Yeah, you shriek and then you laugh, and something about that really worked for me. Not least because doing it through 
a lot of the time through art is really interesting because you'll see a picture across the room and you'll walk up to it and they knew that you were that like they are the developers are playing the ghost the ghost prodding you to the thing to give you the scare like that's their whole role in this so they know that you're going to go to this well lit painting and look closely yeah. at it and then either it's going to melt or you know you turn around and the door's really close or you turn around and the painting is there as well but it's just massive or <laughs> or through the open door in the room the face from the painting is staring through at you and then you turn back to the other painting and it's got really far away i really like and, and, and this again not really a spoiler because there are there are sh- just hundreds of these but yeah. i like the one where you're in the library and um you turn around and a, a man is running at you unbelievably fast and you scream, but then just immediately collapses and you realise he was made of books. So it's, <laughs> it's a man running towards you, but then about six wait. feet away, he just collapses. So, wait, did you play Early Access? Yeah. So it's a completely different game. Is it? Yeah. Early Access is a different game. That moment what? is not in my... Not in my layer. And also, of fear. well, it's not in anyone's layer of fear because presumably they can't get access to the early access build now because it's not early. I guess not. Enough. <laughs> so I've never seen that. Oh, man. So Which you've are... played different games. Yeah. <laughs> Which is the real layer. Exactly. There's That's so what... many layers. Oh, It's like man. a terrifying onion. Okay, but all right. I completely get your argument, and that's a great reason to love it. Mm. Um, for me, though, I, it was kind of a bummer playing it because um, with PT especially mm. and with Kitty Horror Show stuff, there is so much horror out there right now that is just good as hell and people really digging into some wonderful stuff that mm. uh, that only games can do. And then you play Layers of Fear and everything is cheap. It's like, to use the second reference to Joe Bluth and his many like, weeks <laughs> for stuff that Matt and I have worked on, um, it's the Joe Bluth of horror games of just like, you know, you look around and oh, the thing has disappeared. I mean, it is, I, I like that. It's fun and it's scary. Because- you know, I'm thinking about that and it's really interesting hearing you guys talk about it because it, it sort of reminds me of an element of horror. I'm not really too afraid with horror, to be honest. Neither like, am I. Um, but I have found that there are different types of horror experiences. There are things where you genuinely sure. sit there and go, ah, and get scared. But I've I've had a couple of times watching horror movies around with friends where there's almost like the, the campy horror of it not just being like, oh, that made me jump, but of, oh, that made me jump, and then you laugh, especially with people. Like, there's yeah. an incredible live show, which I won't say anything about because that's kind of the point, but I saw uh, Ghost Stories. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah, and, like, again, that was the... Uh, for a lot of that, the fun thing was it would, you know, scenes would end with something really scary. Yeah, until and the go, until the, the, the end yeah. is, like, one of the most... I, I, get, yep. I still get shivers to this yep. day thinking I'm about it. I'm shivering right now just thinking about yeah. it. Fucking hell. But, I mean, it's really worth seeing if you can uh, get tickets when it's on. It's, it's in London, yeah. It's amazing, amazing live like, show. Nice bit of sleight of hand in it as well. Well, yeah, it's it's wonderful staging. It's some great stuff. But again, it's that there is something kind of fun about being like you looking for the jump, and then you knowing where the jump's going to happen, and then something obvious happens, and you kind of get a bit scared, but then you laugh. And I think there's there's actually, I mean, obviously, Ghost Stories is more than that, and that's why it's amazing. But I think that is a kind of horror tradition, which maybe video games often when they try and do horror, they take it a bit too seriously. I don't think they take it too seriously. I think there are just different stripes of it, right? Yeah. I think what Joe's, what you guys will play and enjoy is different. But for example, one of the reasons, do you play Soma? No, and I really, I fully. Soma the is is amazing because I, I as and you know we talked. I never mentioned this in the podcast before, but we talked about how like when we talked about Soma, ages ago, I said oh, it'd be amazing if they could just make it so the enemies don't attack you. They've got that. Now, Somebody's right? literally done that as a mod. And oh apparently, really? Apparently, the game people have played it like 
for the first time and they've done it with that and they say it's still quite scary because these things are just walking around and they're terrifying to look at that's but interesting yeah there are certainly some beats that are, I can't that turns it into an absolute ghost train that's great um, um, yeah but uh, yeah so the interesting thing about that and the reason I had to publicly apologise for being like oh it's a bit too similar to that last stuff on Cool Ghosts is that by the end the uh, psychological horror the what we were talking about before yeah that absolutely not laughing creeping oh god let me think about this for a moment is so bad and so well crafted like uh, layers of fear I guess disappointed me but that's not a, a thing against the developers it's just right now I'm looking for stuff that will truly unsettle me yeah it won't do that like so what again another thing I liked about it is that it doesn't it doesn't rely on jumps it's not doing the you're looking for a jump it just does sometimes subtle sometimes completely unsubtle changes to your environment so it's just keeping you spinning around really? looking okay. at new things that sounds different from early access because early access by uh, like an hour in was a jump scare every 30 seconds there are I mean there are jumps in there and there's I mean the, the worst thing it does is it straight rips PT's Lisa like there is a manky lady who grabs you from behind and <laughs> there's like weird squelchy noises and then you appear somewhere else like that sucks and they use that like four times and it's really irritating because some of their stuff is so inventive and the the bit that really cemented it for me and I have no idea if this was present in the early access there's a bit where after all of this sort of surreal like things have appeared in the wrong place and ceilings have disappeared <laughs> they go on forever it's and a like, bad uncle fucking around yeah again, exactly isn't it? <laughs> there's one bit where you go to a basement and all you can really see is sort of covered crates and broken chairs and just shit you know yeah. clearly this family has just chucked all this crap I down here I remember that basement yeah okay and there's a piano at the other end yeah and you pray you obviously go up and go <laughs> and it starts playing this quite gentle piano song and you turn around and all that's happened is gravity's turned off wow and for about 30 seconds everything in the room just floats and you, there's this quite nice piano tune and you walk around and you just push a crate and like move a chair around and nothing happens and it's not scary and it's not designed to be scary Ghost it's just a fun. moment it's just a moment of like weird beauty that's great and that's then great. after the piano song finishes everything goes clonk and you walk out and there's a new door and i think that's wonderful like yeah. it's there's a satisfaction in the tricks they're pulling on you that I find really pleasant. Like, it yeah. feels like the developers are having fun with you. Well, that's why I, what I loved about um, the Stanley Parable is, like, obviously yeah. I like the writing and I like the ideas and when it got super meta, it was fun. But actually, sometimes it was just like you immediately got what was happening and then you just thought... You just felt like you were going along for a fun ride yeah. with something. And you're like, this is cool. I like this. Yeah. And one of the other games I played this week was Dr. Langeskov, uh, the Tiger and Terribly Cursed Emerald, which can't really talk about too much without ruining it for people I, I did, but it is really important to make sure you leave with the correct emerald, emerald yes to, absolutely uh, yeah because otherwise you don't get the good ending exactly yeah, you, you need the terribly either. cursed one yeah uh, um, that's a great little game though I enjoyed yeah, that a lot and just although weirdly um, I, I got my girlfriend to play it afterwards and on the second playthrough there's an element that's added really um, just a very small thing but it, watching it I'm watching someone and going, oh, I hope you have the same experience I did. Yeah. Uh, totally ruins it. If, if it's someone's first playthrough. It, on the same account. On the same account. Totally ruins mm, it. Interesting. Really odd. Well, I suppose people don't expect that, especially on Steam. Yeah. Yeah. I, the thing I think that is most interesting about this, and I guess this is kind of damning mm. uh, to say this, but what I think is most interesting is that when they sent it to streamers who they knew would um, you know, push the game out mm-hmm. to God knows how many people, they customised the build for every streamer. 
Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, not for not everyone they said it to necessarily, yeah. but like for the biggest names, they made a custom version of the game for that streamer, um, which obviously yeah. would have pushed it. It made it unique and interesting for people to watch, and I think that was just the smartest marketing thing. What did it thing. do? I couldn't tell you. Okay. Um, for a couple of reasons, but yeah, mostly I don't know. That's really weird. But yeah, I'm, that's an, that to me, that's another game that... Yeah, as as you say, has that satisfaction of yeah. You kind of know what's going on. And you're just along for a ride, but you kind of feel like you're having fun, and they know that. And yeah, it's kind of strange to have that relationship. Like, where almost I mean, obviously that's the whole idea of a game. Okay, it makes a game, and they want you to have fun. Then you have fun, but it's different. It's like a shared experience. It's almost like role playing in a way. If like you feel like you're in a room with somebody else, and they're kind of nodding you and going, yeah. and you kind of you feel like there's someone almost there. You can turn around to and go, oh, very good. I know yeah. what you're doing here. All right, yeah. And man, to continue looking down from my ivory tower and be like, I like horror that's serious. I like Doctor <laughs> Dr. so wearing a cape <laughs> because um, because I can't play that without like for me, Doctor Lang. Is is and this is unfair because it's a whole team of people, but um, it exists purely to show me what part of Stanley Parable yeah. was William Pugh yes. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and what part was uh, Davy, and then playing Beginner's Guide, and then uh, it is incredible how clear the dichotomy is between those two. It's un- it's, it's really unbelievable. Strange. But for me, you know, and Doctor Langskov obviously was a free game and not necessarily their big project, but like. I, I only ever hold it up to um, Beginner's Guide, and Beginner's mm. Guide was maybe my favourite game from last year. Okay. Uh, so it's I tough. I think I prefer Dr. Langskopf. No! It, yeah, I think, I, think the, I think the general... Like, we can't well, talk about either of them. <laughs> you can't talk about either of those no, fucking games. I know. I thought about this a lot, and I think I kind of did as well. Like, I mean... No! The Beginner's Guide was really something. I can, oh. but, um, no, I, I get what you're saying, Quinn, and it's not like I disagree, but... Uh, it's a, it's a tough one, but I think I think what the difference was like, um, and this is obviously not a, a good way to to look at things, but I found um, Langskov to be uh, entertaining, and I had fun with it. Whereas the thing about the Beginner's Guide, it's very difficult to talk about, but I found it like it was an experience, and I'm glad I had it, but it wasn't enjoyable, and what I walked away from it wasn't with wasn't enjoyable and I also feel like it was one of those interesting things where like it kind of almost and this is interesting but it kind of had a negative impact on me and um, I think that's interesting and I think as an exploration of ideas and stuff it was it was interesting but it was one of those things where I think that the, the takeaway it gave me was very negative and actually affected me adversely for a number of days and I think that that maybe is like I don't know. I mean, that's I don't a, know how I feel about it. Okay, that, well, know? just for me, I mean, I, I get that, but like playing Beginner's Guide was just—I was just in awe of how different and how clever mm. and uh, like, sure. And for me, like, I walked away from that game like basking in the glow of like it's similar to what we described when we go to GDC and you like you finish that week going, "I'm so happy I work in games. This is an unbelievable medium. The people here are amazing." And I got that from Beginner's Guide. I left sure. Beginner's Guide going like. We can do anything with games. This oh, is the best. I, mean, I left it as a creator, just feeling incredibly depressed. Um, but hey, you know that's that's cool. I mean, it's how how rare is it that you have games that you can even have a conversation? I like think that about? I know who Coder is. Uh, <laughs> I think everybody knows who Coder is. Anyway, uh, uh, yeah. No. What's what's next on the list? Uh, well, to swing right to the other end of things, Far Cry Primal. Oh man, yeah. I actually saw you'd uh, you'd reviewed this. I, I could get- not believe that game was out. I 
I know it's weird, right? Like, honestly, it was one of these things where I, I've seen it kind of like, yeah, this game's coming out, yeah, here's a preview, and then suddenly it's like, it's out already? Mm. Like, they are really popping them out. So we know it's average. Yes. What's the best bit? The best bit is being able to ride a saber-toothed tiger that you've tamed like after, he ran. after killing, like, after it killed like, tons of your tribe members, being able to go out and have a... You have to have a fight, like a boss battle, over the course of three in-game days to tame this thing. And then it's yours for the rest of the game. And that is... That's awesome. Exactly. That was the point where I was like, Far Cry Primal's really doing something. And then it did nothing else. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did love you. I I think I read your review. And uh, I I think I did read your review. And it was that thing of, yeah, talking about how it's like, you know, when you just burst through some trees on your saber-toothed tiger and then... Like all the enemies who are shit enemies just run away because they're yeah. terrified. That is something that games don't do often enough. Mm. And I loved it in uh, Shadows of Mordor, the way you could just turn up and yep. really horribly stab up one goblin and just watch all the other goblins go, fuck, fuck. <laughs> like, And I love how, na- I mean, it was actually like a genuinely really unpleasant thing. If it yep. wasn't a goblin in that game, like, fuck me. If you yep. do that to a human, it's just like, I can't play this. Exactly. This yeah. is actually <laughs> terrifying. Yeah, very weird, especially because the orcs and goblins in Shadows of Mordor have more heart and personality than, than most yep. baddies. Than humans than in other games. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of those weird games though, when you had like all these think pieces coming and being like, man, is this a horrendous allegory for terrorism? It's like, yes, actually, no, this, this think piece is, is not just a, a ridiculous hot take. It's, it's weirdly, horribly bang on. Again, weirdly bringing up GDC, but I, I, I think I was the only person in the room that found this funny, but when we were at the, um, uh, it was like not the IGF, but the award ceremony that predated the IGF like in th- on that evening. It's like a thousand people in a room watching these games receive yeah. awards. And it was like, this indie game has won an award and one like sort of... Uh, dour teenage boy comes up and collects the award and then it's like and this game has won an award and again like the programmer slash designer slash artist comes up and gets an award it's like and now Shadows of Mordor and 80 men with long hair filed up to the thing like a like a like a conscription queue for a Russian army or something like the, like the nemesis screen yes it's all bundling teams. up but it was like just the line went on forever it was like and just all of them slowly walking past the podium one by one and it was just it was it was funny, but also like there was real uh, th- that moment meant something of like yeah, sort of what games have always been represented by these men, and then also like and here's a very lightweight, simple future. Sort of though, I think in a way I'm not though, saying either one's bad. It was no, just I know, funny. I know, I know it was, but I felt differently about that because in a way for me, especially with those guys, it's like uh, you know because it's made by Monolith, right? And in my, I mean, I'm kind of making this story up in my head. I've got to be honest, but it's <laughs> like it's it's great when you have these bright young things, like you know, IGF being won by uh, what was it called? Open, out of bounds, out of wilds, out of wilds. That's it. Which okay. I played since then, and yeah, it's it's ace. Yeah, precisely. Like, and you know, these bright young things who are just like kind of taking over the world with brilliant ideas, and they're going to shape the future, and that's fucking awesome. When you've got these like young, excitable people standing up on stage and going, "Oh my god," you know, they just cannot believe it. It's so cool. It's so exciting. But in a way, like. Like, this isn't like fucking Epic Games standing up on a stage and being mm. like, yeah, you guys sure did love Gears of War again. Um, you know, the thing about Monolith is they've been one of those developers who just always put out good stuff. They've made fucking amazing games. Made, they like, made blood. Yeah, Fear. Like, <laughs> made, yeah, I replayed Fear recently. So they fucking amazing. consistently made like really good stuff for years, but never really had that kind of a claim. They've never mm. had... Well, sorry, what the hell is blood? 
Blood is oh, like an really old, old dumb build engine post Duke Nukem game okay. with like stupid weapons, dynamite like, and and voodoo dolls and stuff. It's great, but it was good. Yeah, you I remember like, those it cowboys and voodoos. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, cowboys yeah. and voodoo.com. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Uh, but no, I don't know. It was it was like yeah, loads of old dudes, but it was like. It was kind of nice because I kind of got the impression that Monolith have been treated as being one of these studios owned by Warner Brothers and they've kind of been like almost like, yeah, you know, these guys, they're, they're, they're reliable. They're kind of in that kind of like high grade B B team of being like reliable. I mean, at this point, like if you're given like, yeah, make a kind of open world uh, Lord of the Rings action game, like no one's really expecting anything from you. You know, yeah. it's, you're basically a B team doing a license. But it was Warner Brothers again, right? So it was at least the same sure. studio that had created inexplicably Arkham Asylum yes but you look at the quality in terms of uh, the amount of money that's been poured in Batman compared to the amount of money that was put into Shadows of Mordor okay. they are still definitely internally treated as being this kind of B team mm-hmm. and so for the fact that like guys who've been doing it for years and years like late in their careers they're having this moment of like this recognition of going hey you guys made something fucking great yeah. like that that in a way like you know that no, no, it's, it's great. Meant, like, so, I, I was really jazzed for those guys because I was just like, yeah, like y- you guys were on the cusp of just being completely forgotten by everybody, and you've just literally gone, no, let's pull up our socks and make something cool, and the whole world has gone, yeah, you made something really cool, yeah. and now they're making probably, I think they've announced Shadows Mordor too, haven't they? Oh, they, they have. I don't think they have, but, but it, I mean, come I mean, on, <laughs> they're not making it, and hopefully, you know, they're going to get like a more a more Batman-y budget, and, <laughs> and you know, they deserve that, and it's cool. Well, but, it's yeah. weird. You run the risk of making up a narrative for a studio, but the thing that I it's look at gut, with Monolith, know, yeah. well, the, the thing I look at with Monolith is when you play Fear. Those like everyone talks about the AI in fear yeah. to this day, and going back to it, you're like, holy shit, yeah, no, it is really weirdly like uh, ahead of the curve and ahead of most shooters. Like playing Far Cry Primal, no one acts like the guards in fear in that. Yeah, no one's you should, like, you should get back and play fear, man. Yes, yeah, good. Have you I, played fear? Yeah, I have, okay. but I didn't like it for well, well it's, some it's, of the same reasons we cover. It's a crap horror game. It's a, it's a, yeah, it's a crap horror game. It's yeah, like it, yeah. it's a horror game with a gun, which means either you'll be able to shoot anything that comes at you, which isn't scary, or you won't be able to shoot it, but it will cause you no harm, which yeah. is also not. Well, scary. that's the middle ground, though. I loved it when you got to like the like the fucking weird troopers on the walls. It was like some psyop oh, yeah. shit. Like, oh no. See, that's not... No, this is Layers of Fear again, <laughs> right? I, it's just like me looking at this going, no, no idea. I quite liked it. I, I just, the shooting was... I, I totally get it. Again, it's just not for me. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, but either way, the, the thing that I look at with them is you you trace the line between the AI and fear and the nemesis system in Shadow of Mordor. This is a, to me, this is a studio that cares as much about its NPCs as its yeah. player characters. Mm. And I think... If that is the case, and if I'm not just making shit up, <laughs> and maybe it's completely different groups of people who made those two games, but to me, that's like here's a company, you know, here's a studio make, being given shit to make and imprinting something of their own philosophies on it all the way through, and I think that is worth celebrating. Like, yeah, the idea that there's these giant groups of people who are still trying to make like things according we're still to trying to do something that feel. is almost a lost art like the idea of like everyone else has just given up on AI like, and we're just going oh you don't need to do it really like you yeah, can just, you just, can just fudge it like, yeah. just make it so enemies pop their heads up and then you shoot them mm. like, and, but they've, they've always yeah they've stuck to it anyway um, I, I've played a bunch of things this week but we've kind of talked enough about games so I'm not, I've actually had some time to play games uh, but no it's good you can store them in the Matt Lee's barrel put them in yeah. the bank for later um, are you playing anything else Joe? Oh man of many yeah. games. Let's have a quick Let's look. pop the phone out. 
He's a pro. We should put. I should point out the rest of the Far Cry Primal thing was just me complaining about how I kind of felt we like were done with super it. Really. Limited. That's <laughs> super it. limited. Okay. And like it feels like a step back. Oh, I finished Undertale, which is fucking great. But we yes. talked about oh, that. I and I was uh, saying to Quinn, I almost made a joke about the end the other day, and I was like, I'd say if you you have finished Undertale, right? And he said, No. He's like, Right. Yeah. Fucking <laughs> do that. I had a. It's a thing, right? Yes. And I had a, <laughs> and I had a very specific route to the ending I got, which is which I will talk to you about privately, yeah. which is really interesting. And the way it allows you to finish that game, especially yeah. on a first run, is really cool. Did you um, um, not kill anything, right? I did not kill anything. Yeah, so that it's, slight, yeah, it's slightly it spoiled by the fact that I knew that I should do that. Well, it's, but at the same time, it's kind of annoying, though, that you that you have to, that if you cock up once, then you cannot get the interesting ending on your yeah, first yeah, run, yeah. which is so annoying because really playing it again... That's a big ass. Well, that's it. Like, and I do really want to do a kill everything run. But... Oh, man, I couldn't. Have you seen the effects? I haven't. Oh, I'm... just watch the YouTube videos and you... Honestly, it's one of those few things where, like, it's amazing to have Let's Plays of it because just find a Let's Play without any commentary. Yeah. No, no commentary. My fa- my two favourite words on, Google, <laughs> on YouTube search. Honestly, I couldn't live without it. Um, but just find that and just watch some of it because, honestly, you'll watch a bit of it and you'll think, I can't do this. Like it is so unpleasant. I can imagine. Like you just go into towns and there's no shops or no people there because you killed them all. Yeah. Like you've already fought them. Ugh. Okay, let's wrap this one up with a couple of questions. Uh, first, we've got a question from Vincent Stroll. Or Stoll, even. No Stroll. No, I'm, sorry, I'm, re- I'm reading the angle. I'm reading the questions here at a quite unlikely angle. Um, anyway. Matt is sort of like twisted like an artist's model because he has to face the mic but also look at the monitor behind him. So, you know, he's doing the paint me like one of your French girls pose. I am. But vertically. Uh, yes. Paint me vertically like one of your French girls. <laughs> like one of your lopsided <laughs> girls. <laughs> you've, you've got a harder, harder challenge here. Okay. Um, have you ever made a game unnecessarily hard for yourself e.g. by playing on a higher difficulty or by refusing to use certain tools the game gave you because the other way seemed like cheating Um, I for one took three years to be XCOM because I couldn't bring myself not to play on Iron Man Nice. I I think the very first episode of Darth Souls has me talking about the period of my life where I played everything with hard on and hard I beg your the, pardon? Yeah, was the with hard on, you know. With, oh, with a difficulty. Yes. I don't know. I don't understand. What did you no, think? I don't know what I thought either. Carry on. Uh, so, um, yeah, and I just found it really interesting because you any game you play... You I'll can tell you if it's good or not. You, yeah, yeah, I don't know if I've done the spiel before, but yeah, Far Cry 2 on Infamous, which is the hardest difficulty setting, is actually... If you don't know why people talk about Far Cry 2 being good, play on Infamous, and it just becomes like Daisy or something. It's unreal. Uh, also, GTA with the minimap turned off is hot tamales. Uh, it's good stuff. Yeah, it's funny how, like, it is the test. Like, that's why when I knew Bayonetta was amazing, was like, I completed it and thought, that was a fun game. And then it was like, hey, do you want to start the game again with these items and play it on hard? I was like, yeah. And then within, like, 10 minutes, I was like, holy fuck, this is an amazing game. Yeah. <laughs> just because you realise it is so tight. Um, and that's why I always have no respect for anybody who says I always play games on and complete video games on hard it's like well, you always who says do. that you do get people on the internet being like it's like kind of a, a pride thing for them. they think themselves as being good at video games they always play them hard it's like no way like like Mass Effect games for example I'm just like until the third game where they actually had combat that was fun it was just like easy like I don't want to get stopped I don't yeah. want to slow down we talked about this last time with yeah, Pillars of a- yeah, you know, I've actually been, I've been playing more Pillars of Eternity I won't talk about it yet I'll talk about it when Jim's on sometime because he's a fan and we can i'll get further in we can have a conversation but anyway um i've been playing that with like super dad mode it's hilarious dad it, that's not what it's called but it basically is just like you don't have time for this do you so let's just speed you through it what about you joe you played anything with hard on? um 
Well, I've definitely played games with hard on. The thing with hard ons, the the thing that's interesting is um, the certain tools refusing to use certain tools the game gave you, which is not. It's not for the same reason. But I played through Monster Hunter Four, never changing my weapon because I really liked the charge blade. And I didn't want to use anything else, even though certain monsters, that's just like a bad decision. I know what you mean. And Monster Hunter 4, particularly using the Insect Glaive, is kind of cheating. Oh, well, oh yeah, I fuck, so fuck the Insect good, Glaive. I don't like it. But... Um, oh, man. The, uh, I've remembered again, uh, which is I refused to use fast travel in Skyrim. And then the instant I did, I became bored of the game. <laughs> no, I know that one. Because, yeah, yeah you, you, it's uh, such an uh, absorbing and I didn't know game. you could fast travel in Skyrim. And actually, the same thing happened to me. As soon as I as you could and start doing it everything falls apart it just fell apart like yeah. immediately <laughs> like it's it was just a rubbish game very yeah. weird I was yeah. so fast after like 30 hours of quite enjoying myself uh, mad but uh, I'm trying to think like I mean uh, my favourite of course was Cave Story with the fact that like, you could purposefully not accept they like hey do you want the machine gun and you go no <laughs> and then you go okay and then it means you have to use the pistol instead of the machine gun and then at the very end of the game or towards the end the guy who you stole the pistol from at the start is like hey is that my pistol and you're like yes and he's like oh it's fine you can keep it but look I'll do it up for you and suddenly you just get this like god gun <laughs> I love that that it like purposefully allows you to do that obtuse thing and knowing that you're going to do that Zelda thing of being like thinking that you don't have a choice about this conversation. You're like, do you want a machine gun? No. I'm like, oh, come on. I think you do. (laughs) Yeah. And this just goes, okay. Bye. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, Firewatch as well. People have been uh, having a lot of fun. Um, disa- I wish I'd known about that. Yeah, you disable the the beacon that shows where you are in the map, and then so you, you just have, have to, to use the map and the compass. Have to do a little, oh, little more orienteering. Yeah, I wish nice. I'd known about that because that would have been like just play long dark if you really want to get lost in a forest and go where am I? Yeah, then? but that's dangerous, and I quite like just getting lost in. Anyway. I wonder if long dark has dad mode. What, Eskimo I mode don't know I mean with with uh, Pillars it's just like the story actually gets quite enjoyable uh, but you just need to do quite a lot of uh, fighting um, first and it is a shame though because it's just, I'm just blasting through all these systems now and just like immediately like scavenging through uh, equipment and stuff to be like is it a sword that does fire damage because if it isn't I'm just not interested and whenever I level up just being like what spells just do the most damage like I'm, they've got all these systems that I'm now just completely circumventing I'm just it's, like do not care and it, it, that's kind of liberating the, yeah, yeah it's liberating but also like do you not find it slightly depressing in the sense of like you turn these systems off because the game doesn't need them and then you suddenly see how many hours and craft and time and and how much time the game ex- how much time the game expects from you to wrestle with these systems and mm. then you realize none of them are the point none well no but happen. i think it, it that's not entirely true because i what i realize about it and and what i think is is why it's quite a, a very successful kickstarter game in this regard is that it does matter to some people and for those people it's there okay and it's like they're archaic and kind of annoying for me because they're just too detailed but some people love that stuff and for them they're going to do the complete opposite and they're not going to be playing on super easy super dad mode they're going to be playing on like the brutal difficult extra hard mode yeah this is and if people want that they can play the game like that but for me I can still get quite a long game experience out of just having a story thing I don't like don't like anything wasted like I'll, I'll cut mold off a slice of bread and then still put it in the toaster and eat it because I don't want to throw bread. You know, I throw it away. Yeah, I kind of feel with this. It's such a joke. Bloody... That was a good nod from Joe. Like he's been there. I'm with you. I put it in the bin, man. Fuck it. But I think this is such a big loaf of bread, this game, that I think you can <laughs> you can comfortably throw half of it in the bin. Don't do that! And then have a really nice toast on your own. People are st- with just looking, looking contentedly at, at the you, bread in the bin. What you threw away. Do we I'll, have... just, I'll just take a single pillar of eternity. I don't care about the rest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just the, the one for me. That's the best joke in the podcast. <laughs> oh, there is. we go. Uh, but yeah, one thing I, I would say actually about saying 
refusing to use certain things. One thing I am quite strict about, and I'm increasingly finding myself caring more and more about, is not changing the audio when you're playing a Dark Souls game or Bloodborne. Because people always say to me, oh, it's, the bosses of fights are really easy if you turn the music off because, you know, you can relax, you don't get stressed. It's like, yeah, but you are li- you're fucking... Okay, okay. You're changing the ecosystem. No, no, Matt, listen, 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 listen to yourself, right? You re- care about You it. refuse to turn this off because the music is a vital and integral part of the experience. Yeah. And without it, it's absolutely not Dark Souls. I and know yet, where this is going. Neither of you play... <laughs> no, I have. Us I have. With though. the music. And you know what? It changes You're right. You're right. But actually, I am glad that I played it mostly without the music. And actually, I'd recommend to people... Turn the music off. No! Yes. No. Yes, I'm saying this, right? <laughs> what I'd say is, play it with the music off, and then when you're almost done with it, when you think, I've kind of had enough of this, switch it on and play a little bit with the music on, because it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> but, because what, you assume it's so much darker? <laughs> well, yeah, in mine, it was like me playing it silently, like with the sound off, just playing it like, you know, um, whilst half watching TV and mm. in the same room as my partner, and just getting so engrossed. wonderfully engrossed and stressed about the life of this fucking group of people and this trying to keep this tribe alive and now I've played it like on on Steam with the sound you're spot on it's this ridiculous thing if you just have this like really tense meeting <laughs> and then, and then, then you just say yeah and you say I know the boy didn't mean any harm but he must be killed and it's like immediately it's like just, anyway now that we've killed that boy let's go back to Jolly Village <laughs> and it just punctuates the game in such a fucking stupid way oh man and it's brilliant but it does kind of ruin I, everything but okay I mean <laughs> I guess it's like Stockholm Syndrome you know because I, I only ever had the music like I never got the opportunity to realise how ridiculous it is I get what you're saying I, I think yeah. it's still good and actually maybe it fits the, the tone of the game better I like it I like the Iron Age um, sort of instrumentation of it because it's all drums and flutes and and I like that because it makes me think I am an old person (laughs) and maybe also it does fit the tone I mean it is a world where like yeah you know people do have to die and tough decisions have to be made but in between it's largely punctuated by people just having like Feasts. You know what? It's it's Iron Age. It's like it's simultaneously happy and and like uh, pagan and also sad and bloody and it can we we can have both of these things. Yeah, I think so. But you're right. It is fucking really funny. (laughs) I did I did laugh out loud when it first happened, and then was like, oh, I get it now. I get it. (laughs) So um, yeah. Uh, We'll do one more question. Not really getting through many questions, but they're good ones. Um, So we're having fun, man. Recently read a story from FromSoft Smizyaki. Who's this? This is from Ryan Maxey. Thank you. I'm bad at my job. Um, <laughs> talking about how in the co-op in Souls games was inspired by an experience in which his car got stuck on a slope in the snow, uh, yes. but another car came up behind him and pushed him over the slope. Uh, Ryan, that was cheating. He should not have let that guy do that. He should have let pushed his own car over the slope. He should have got out and uh, ejected the other guy from his car. Yeah, that would have been fine. Stolen his humanity from his chest. Anyway, uh, he pushed him over the slope. He was thankful, but sad that he wouldn't be able to stop and thank him without just getting stuck again. Hence the temporary moments of friendship in Souls games. That's nice. What are some of the favourite examples of developers taking inspiration from life experience in this sort of obtuse... We're not developers. You can't expect us to pull anecdotes out of our arse. I do have one good one. Excellent. Uh, I'm glad you read this question out so boldly and (laughs) trusting your friends would catch you. Uh, I read a replay, which is um, an amazing it's the best history of video games I've ever read and you should read it just because if you're listening to this podcast you almost certainly don't know anywhere near enough about Pong um, but uh, it's got a bit on Peter Molyneux and his early days in game development and 
I think I know. Oh no, maybe I don't. Carry on. No, you, I, was, maybe you I do. don't understand why I was interrupting in the first and place. And if you so. do know, you should jump in because because this could be fun. Um, but he, so he's making a, a sort of uh, a town building game. He's learning to code because he was literally selling books and that wasn't working out for him. So he's like, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm going to jack that in. And I'm going to make a video game and make tons of money. Um, and so it's loads of little people in a little village. And uh, but he can't work out the code for pathfinding. But what he can do in the editing tools is, like, it's really easy to raise and lower. Like, so if the guy can't get around a hill, if your little person can't walk around a hill, it's like, well, you can lower the hill so he can just walk through. And then he realized, like, well, I'll never have to code pathfinding if I make the game all about raising and lowering terrain. That was populous. Yeah. Um, and it kind of... So this the, the two edges of this is, like, I've always said, like, that sums up everything that is, like, funny and silly but also annoying about Molyneux as a designer. Um, but my uh, friend... Turned... It's also just how game development often works. Yeah, my friend turned it around and said, like, yes, but if that same story was of a designer you liked, you would tell that as yeah. a celebration of innovation. Yeah, I think that's just generally how it works. When you have a problem, you think, do you either fix the problem or do you just create something new that makes it not a problem anymore? I do think... Which is, like, amazing approach in game dev, because, like, imagine if you did that in your house. Like, ah, oh, my shower's leaking. Oh, well, I'll, like, I'll create this series of pipes so the water goes down Oh, here. man, that's the Dwarf Fortress like, thing. Yeah. The, the way you can irrigate land in Dwarf Fortress is you, um... I, this is the simplest way. You can't, like, dig a well. That's complicated shit. But what you can do is you... You dig a hole... And then you tell the dwarves to fill the hole with water. So they'll get buckets and fill it with water. Beneath that hole, though, on the level beneath, is your farm. So, like, <laughs> through the hole, you've built a cave farm, and then above it is a hole, and the dwarves are like, oh, I'll keep filling up this hole. doesn't seem to be working, but I'll do it forever. <laughs> As they pour buckets of water down the hole, not knowing the code, not knowing that your farm is beneath it. That's how you irrigate in your fortress. <laughs> Why am I going to fill this hole? This, this is question, ridiculous. This question ties in with what we were talking about last week, which is I don't think... <laughs> developers should take inspiration more from stuff outside of games but yeah. especially indie games we're seeing now like the big indie hits is all stuff like that is either tonally or narratively inspired by video games like you know we've got you know Beginner's Guide and Dr. Langstrom and also yeah, like the sure. visual styles aren't inspired by like for example cubism or whatever they're inspired by this video game I played when I was nine. And you know, here's an interesting problem, right? Is that um, at the moment what we're seeing is lots of uh, really talented uh, devs. And it's a double-tailed thing, right? First of all, like, if you want to make a game about experiences and about, like, your thing, you have to be a really small team. Like, preferably, like, just a tiny team. And that's why, like, I remember, like, you know, it used to be the most thing that developers would always hate to answer in interviews if they worked in big teams. It's what were your inspirations? Because they're just sitting there going... You know, we're four hundred people. Like, you know, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, it was. You know, I was guilty of asking that question as well because you just want them to say that they'd seen the same films you had, and that's what you want. You know, everyone yeah. wants to feel like they are thinking the same thing. Anyway, it means you have to be a small team in the first place to even have the luxury of being able to directly input your influences in something. Secondly, though, because at the moment, like, there are very few developers who are like almost these singular forces anymore because of this lots of the cool little indie interesting things that are happening are all young people and it means we're yes. getting lots of games where a lot of the time the experiences are about being young people so we're getting things like you know oxen free and stuff about you're getting lots of teen things and lots of things that are like reflective on teen oh, um, life or, uh, or childhood heartbreak, right? yeah and that's cool but at the same time it's one of these things where you i kind of feel like you get 
I mean, this is not to be like ageist, but you do, as you get older, you have more interesting experiences and more interesting thoughts on all of your experiences because you've just got more to read from and yeah. you have more thoughts. And I kind of wonder if, unfortunately, a lot of the time, because it is a very unstable uh, industry, like making indie games, uh, mm. often it's something where generally the people who are doing it, the people getting out there are younger, whereas people who are older, they need the stability. And it's this... Yeah, well, certainly the barriers for entry for making games are, are ridiculous, like in terms of, like, uh, you know, using the tools and stuff. And so I'm just hoping, basically, that at the moment we have, like, tons of really young, talented indies. I'm just hoping that in 15 years' time, like, a lot of them are still doing it, you know? Rather than it being like, well, I had fun doing that, but now I've got to go and do something else because I need the stability, etc., etc. Because yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting that we're seeing lots of people conveying these these experiences but not to be harsh about them a lot of the experiences they're conveying just aren't that interesting well I disagree I think being I think teenage fiction is fine uh, but I do think that it would be great to see you know them grow up and write about other things it's awesome it's just it, unfortunately after a while it, it does become a little bit trite because the thing that you, you start to realise as you get older is that your experiences are largely the same as lots of other people's experiences mm. and actually as you get kind of older older you start to realise that maybe the experiences you have like the ones that are just like a bit not yours because you're still sharing with loads of people but the ones that are a bit more yours you don't have lots of those and it isn't like you're this unique kind of vision of the world you maybe have like a couple of things that you can talk about and it's interesting stuff like uh, that that game you know I, I still haven't had the balls to play it myself because it's too close for home but that dragon cancer it's like that's the sort of thing it's like you know like not everyone can make a game like that yeah and you start to realize when you get to be like 30 or you know older 40 whatever you that you maybe have like somebody said to you what can you do something about that like most people can't Anyone with half a head would say, like, maybe have one or two ideas. That like that's something they feel that they could convey something about that most people couldn't. And unfortunately, like, unless you've had a really weird life, a lot of people who are in their twenties, they often don't have that yet because mm-hmm. you just got to be around. No, I mean, I, I agree. Like, I mean, just spending time with um, uh, Meg Joanne through Rote eighty days, but like, she travelled a lot as a kid. And, uh, you know, has a background that isn't, you know, sort of like trad, straight white male as well. And sure. all of that is in 80 days. Like, yeah. And obviously she's a phenomenal writer as well. But, you know, it's just an example of what you need to, of the results you can get when you pull in experiences that aren't outside of what is traditional in games. Yeah, everyone has that thing. That was thing. All, sorry. That was all really lovely. Can I tell a story about Peter Molyneux and baked beans? I, oh, yes! <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know this story? No. I'm stealing both this story and the observation about it from Rich Stanton. So go and look it up if you want to read the actual really well-written version of this story. But apparently, when uh, uh, Peter Molyneux was starting out well before he got into, you know, even the popular stuff... He had a company called Taurus, and Taurus, uh, part of their business was exporting baked beans to the Middle East. <sighs> I love um, this story already. Yeah, no, I know this, but it's Commodore great. wanted to talk to a networking firm, I believe, called Taurus. <laughs> and unfortunately, <laughs> they picked Taurus and got in contact with Peter Molyneux and offered him 10 Amigas. And apparently, wow. at this point, he said... Uh, he had an angel on one shoulder saying, tell the truth. And he had a devil, a much bigger devil on the other shoulder say, saying, I believe the phrase was, get the machines, apologise later. <laughs> um, and apparently that's how it started. He, that's how he total mix up. He lied, said he was Taurus, got Amigas and started working on them. And that's how Peter Molyneux's here. And if we were to extrapolate um, from that experience 
on the life of Peter Molyneux, it's that exaggeration and lies are a key part of how he makes oh games. Oh my god. And that's amazing. Uh, the thing we should also point out, if people haven't seen this, the latest, well, not the latest Humble Bundle, because there's a new one with Sun and Sea, Sun and Sea that looks pretty good to me. Um, but there was a bundle put together and all the proceeds, or most of them, were going to the guy who won uh, Curiosity. The guy who was the god, yeah. Really? Yeah, so like, you know, they would, because he won Curiosity and should have been a god and goddess, yeah. life-changing experience. Obviously, Peter Molyneux failed, and there's that unbelievable Simon Parkin interview with the kid who won it, um, who's Scottish and sort of not as unassuming, but yeah. Clearly. Is that- I thought it was, Wes. it was Wesley and Paul. Oh, or no, 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 no. You're completely right. It was Wesley. Um, I'm sorry, Wesley. Uh, but yeah, like, so now there's a bundle. You know, which was going to give him like 10 grand he's or something. He's in uh, yeah. Eternal Not Cynic. hero as well, I think. Yeah, Eternal Cynic that I am, though. I remember at the first time when, when he first got announced that he'd won Curiosity. Curiosity. And I thought, and when the, the video semesters said, like, the prize that you've won is priceless I immediately thought oh well then it's going to be worthless <laughs> uh, you know because that's just how I I look at it and I'm like right so it's not money which means it's modern use priceless is probably worthless and it's turned out to be pretty much worthless I love that even he doesn't care they're still trying to kind of wheel him on as being like yeah no like you know we've we've patched it up with him now and you know you know we're, we're going to still make good and stuff and he's just like I don't care I really don't care he's like I'm just done with it now he's like I was upset for a while but now I just don't care and it's just like he just doesn't want anything to do with it it's like he the sounds end, like a really just a really good kid it's like the end of some high school drama where like the kid who no one liked but had something to offer got taken in by the bad kids and then actually he made better friends out of that and so he's gone with them and now the bad kids are like oh we can get you in he's like nah I'm just done with it I'm, in not, I'm in not a hero now mate <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's a game that is finished. Oh my god, what a strange, <sighs> what a journey we've been on this episode. Journey. We've done we've, horror, kids, movies. It's been great. It's the horror kids movie special, Hot Joe, Potato Hot Podcast. Potato. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Hot Potato Podcast. Um, if you've really enjoyed this, you can do a bunch of things. You can go to uh, we haven't said this in a while, but you can go to iTunes and give us a little review on there. Write us a little thing. Click on the little star button. Obviously, the five is the one that you want to click on because you know. Uh, you just do and yeah that's good because more people who haven't heard of us might click on it when they're bored listening to a popular podcast crazy thing though Matt if people write text in those review boxes it massively weights uh, the discoverability of our podcast does it? yeah so what they want to do is give us five stars and then uh, talk about when they were most disappointed by Peter Molyneux <laughs> Um, in the little text box. Uh, also, if you want, uh, if you're just craving more video and, and, and podcasterly nonsense, if you want to see my Street Fighter podcast, yeah, becoming the best. I'm changing it again. I'm going to be the best Street Fighter player in the world. Oh my god, Quinn, uh, <laughs> that's just not even realistic. Uh, if you want to find out whether I succeed or not, you'll find all of that on CoolGhosts.net. As yeah, well it's as a great to... website. It's it's by coincidence our website um, that that we run. That is funny, uh, isn't it? But you should check it out. It's the home of Darth Souls. I don't need to get used to saying things like this without joking inside of my bed. It is the home of Dark Souls is and Dark also Souls. currently a completely awesome Invisible Ink playthrough. Yes, God, that that's unbelievably still working. It's anyway, crazy. Um, Where can people find more Joe? Do you have... Can we reveal the Hot Joe news? We can't reveal the Hot Joe news. I've got Hot Joe news coming. One day we'll talk about that. You'll have to come... You'll have to Actually, when's, the, when's this coming out? That's going to make it sound like he's joining us and he's not, yeah. unfortunately. No, I'm not. <laughs> when's, <laughs> when's this coming out? Um, next Monday. Monday. Fuck it. I'm going to IGN and I'm going to be news editor. There so we are. Nice. There we are. That's, that's, that's Hot Joe excellent. news. And I've got a podcast called Chat Very Good. 
you have. Which but hopefully right. you're going to be in London more so we have you on Dark Souls more as yeah. well. Yeah. Which will be awesome. Um, but yeah, yeah. so do all of those things in any order that you wish to. And also, yeah, if you really, really do like Dark Souls, then you could cons- consider supporting us on Patreon. Do you think, listening to 71 episodes, is it now? 71, Do you yeah. think, if, dear reader, you have got a dollar's worth of enjoyment? If we've, That's like a few cents an episode, if you think that is fair and just... You can support us at uh, patreon.com slash coolghosts. Yeah, and we definitely appreciate it. One dollar, one dollar, and then you're done. <laughs> you're you're off the hand. He's a cheap man. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to the Potato Special, and we'll see you next time. Potatoes, unite! Hey! So I, hot! I thought... Oh, that was rubbish. Let's <laughs> it again. Potatoes, unite! Hoorah! We didn't. You said do it again, but we didn't know what we were doing again. I didn't tell you. It's a surprise. Don't edit this. Keep it all in. Okay. Bye. God. <laughs>